the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Real Life Radio is sponsored by River City Community Church. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church right here in San Antonio, Texas. Now this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promises in John 10.10. And it's the first message in a new series called One Life, Make Yours Count. Everyone has one until it's gone. So what are you doing with your life? What does a life well-lived look like? This series brings focus to these tough questions and introduces an opportunity to examine our lives so that we each are living with clear vision and a purpose for the future. Pastor Sean is teaching from the book of Ephesians and First Chronicles with the story of a man named Jabez. It's time for Real Life Radio. We're going to start a new series this morning. It's called One Life. Pastor Sean, before you continue, um, I don't know how many of you knew last week is Pastor Appreciation Week, and there were some ladies from one of our community groups that just wanted to uh, Thank show you, their Betty. appreciation. That is so sweet. Like cheesecake, Thank you so, so much. Thank you so much. That is awesome. I appreciate it. That is awesome. A cheesecake. That's beautiful. I only have one issue. I'm like trying to lose weight. You know, I totally wish people would recognize how hard it is to kind of look the way. <laughs> you should see yourselves right now. <laughs> we'll kill a pastor. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a shame to waste a cheesecake, wouldn't it? Well, we're going to talk a little bit about waste. And <laughs> All right. So at least, at, least, at least one thing around here is not going to get wasted. Yeah, you're like, oh my gosh, by the way, seriously, understand something. Uh, No homemade cheesecakes were injured in the making of that illustration, okay? Betty Jo's a very good sport, but we just, we had to make it to where you'd kind of, for a moment, just go, what a jerk. (laughs) Because it's a shame to waste something like a cheesecake. It's a shame to waste really anything if you you don't have to. Here's some things just that kind of get wasted. When we talk about time, the average woman, age 16 to 60, spends 16 minutes a day on weekdays and 20 minutes a day on week, weekends deciding what to wear, which takes one year of her life. Interesting corresponding stat, the average man spends that exact amount of time waiting for a woman. <laughs> so that's good. <laughs> According to salary.com, workers waste 20% of their time socializing with coworkers, okay, take, taking breaks. And 30% of the time, searching for lost documents. That's 50% of the time. How does that make you feel, employers? 50% of the time. According to the U.S. Bureau of of Labor Statistics, the average American spends three hours a day watching television. The average American spends 16, uh, excuse me, 61 minutes a day looking at advertisements in some form. It's like, really? Women over the age of 19 spend more than two hours a week crying, which equals 16 months of their adult life. Gentlemen, that does not reflect well on us. Just need you to know that. Think about wasted money. Unused gift cards, $6 billion a year. Some of you are going to be rifling through some drawers later on looking for gift cards, aren't you? ATM fees, $7 billion a year. Traffic tickets, $12 billion a year. 
Candy sales, $29 billion a year. 60% of that is on chocolate, which actually helps the women with the crying thing, so that's kind of a, kind of a help. Lottery tickets, $31 billion per year. And, of course, the average lottery ticket pays 47 cents on the dollar, including all the little payouts, all the little tickets, stuff like that, 47 cents on the dollar. So when you buy a lottery ticket, at least you're only wasting about half your money. So that's kind of better, I guess. Credit card interest, and we knew this one was coming, right? $49 billion a year. But here's one that I wasn't, I wasn't expecting. And this is something you could do something about, like, today. Soft drinks, $76 billion a year. Okay, we're spending more on soft drinks than we are on credit card interest. So one thing you can do, you know, when you go out to eat, drink water. It's better for you, and you save a ton of money there. That's, that's free, all right? Food, $165 billion of food is wasted a year. That's food that's thrown out, okay? Approximately $529 per person. How do you feel about the cheesecake now? That's why Ryan had to get that cheesecake. Urgency. More than, when it comes to paper, more than 40% of printouts are discarded within 24 hours. We know we don't, you don't do that with the bulletin we give you. We know you cherish that and refer to it all week long. But other paper, 40% within 24 hours. 70% of office trash is waste paper. And so we, we all listen to that and go, wow, that's a drag. Nobody wants to waste anything. And what we want to talk about here in the context of this message series for the next number of weeks is how much more tragic is it to waste a life? To waste a life. Stop and think about that. And that's what we want to look at. Now, in the course of this series, you're going to meet a character, an individual named Larry. And so just take a look at the video and meet Larry. The funny thing about Larry is you would look at him. He's got a nice home and a nice neighborhood. He's got a family. He's got a decent job. You would look at Larry and say, wow, he's kind of got it together. The problem is that's all on the outside. Something's going on on the inside that he obviously is not connecting with what's happening. He views his life from a very different lens, and he's afraid his life is even being wasted. Now, what I want us to understand is that life is fundamentally made up of days. It's fundamentally made up of days. If you lived 85 years, you would live just over 31,000 days. And that is a very finite number. So if you're 42 and a half, you're halfway through those days. If you're 42 and a half, you've used just over 16,000, right around 16,000 days. And so, as we recognize that, we recognize, man, if life is made up of days, we can't waste them. In Ephesians chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, turn over to Ephesians 5. That's where we're going to settle for a little while, but I want to just touch in Ephesians 4 first. The Apostle Paul writes, and listen to what he's writing. He says, as a prisoner for the Lord. Remember, he's literally a prisoner for the Lord. He's in prison. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. I urge you, he says. I urge you. It's like if he could shake us. Here he is in prison. If he could shake us and say, live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. Remember, this is a guy in jail. Now, we could argue that Paul's time in prison was his most productive time. Because while planting churches and raising up leaders, he made a big impact. We're still reading his letters that he wrote from prison today. And he's saying, I urge you, live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. And some of you are looking at me like, well, I haven't received any calling. That's not true. And that's what the Apostle Paul wants you to know. You have received a calling. When God created you, when he formed you, when he gave you life, there was a calling. He created you and designed you to be and to do amazing things. 
Now, in the next chapter, in chapter 5, beginning at verse 15, is where we're going to read. He gives us some guidance. This is a guiding passage, and I think it will guide us through some of this series that we're going to look at. Beginning at verse 15 of Ephesians 5, he says, Be careful, then, how you live. Be careful, then, how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. This is a passage of contrast. He wants us to make the most of every opportunity, but he's saying there's, you, you have options. You could live careful or you could live careless. And he says, don't live careless. Be careful how you live. Take thought. Think about it. Be strategic. Be careful, not careless. He says, you could be unwise, but no, be wise instead. Look at how you're living and look at what this, this gift of life, look at it through the lens of God's calling. And then he says, you could live foolish or you can live God's will. Careful versus careless, wise versus unwise, God's will versus being foolish. And he's letting us know basically it is possible to waste your life living careless, unwise, and being foolish. But he does say you have a choice. And there are two key instructions that he gives us. He says make the most of every opportunity. In other words, don't waste or squander your life. It is an opportunity. And the second is know what the Lord's will is. Know what the Lord's will is, which is not to waste or squander your life. Now, there's a verse right after that that I think is connected. We sometimes separate this verse. In fact, we quote verse 18 on an t- entirely different subject. Verse 18, which is a re- related to the previous verse, says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, we look at that passage and we say, well, yeah, drunkenness is a sin. He doesn't say... Drinking wine is a sin. He says being drunk, being controlled by it is a sin. And so we use that and we talk about that. But we forget kind of the rest of the passage, which is really the main point. That word debauchery in English means extreme indulgence in sensuality or excess. But the word in the Greek, asotia, means extravagant squandering. Extravagant squandering. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to extravagant, ex- extravagant squandering of your life is what he's talking about. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. The tragedy of drunken living is not simply that you were drunk and what it caused you to do, but what it kept you from doing, what it keeps you from. Many an alcoholic can tell the sad story of years wasted. That's the tragedy. You know, we think of, when we talk about alcohol, we talk about being under the influence. I think that's a very appropriate deal to this verse, Ephesians uh, 5.18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Do not be under the influence of alcohol. Don't be controlled by alcohol. Instead, be under the influence, be led by, controlled by the Spirit of God. Don't be under the influence. Don't get drunk on alcohol or the pursuit of wealth, the pursuit of fame, the pursuit of security, whatever it is that, that causes us to get so wrapped up that we miss out on life, that we go through years and look back and go, what happened? Life is a gift. Don't waste it. And we want to take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in this series called One Life, Make Yours Count. If you'd like to hear this full message or even watch the video podcast from Pastor Sean Azaro, it's available right now on demand on the sermons page at the River City website called reallife.org. And if you'd like to check out River City Community Church, Here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. 
Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better. We call ourselves a church for real life. I'd like to invite you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings, which are an exciting and artistic blend of music, reflection, and practical insights, all designed to explore the life that God meant for us. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Otama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church. And back to the message, Learning to Live. This is Real Life Radio. There's an actual blog from the Experience Project. It's an online forum, and the heading, and different people have written under this heading, is I feel I've wasted my life. And one man writes, on Thursday I'll be 55. I have hardly anything to show for it. I'm divorced. I have a son who I've not heard from or seen in over five years. He's somewhere in Texas. I'm a recovering alcoholic, 15 months. I feel lonely, a lot. I live in a small studio apartment and I work five days a week. Go to work, come home. Work, come home, take a couple days off, do it all over again. I have no friends to do anything with. I have no girlfriend. But then what woman wants a recovering alcoholic with emphysema and with nothing to offer? I'm up to my ears in debt, and every day I get older. I'm so afraid I will die a lonely old man. What would it take to turn my life around? And our heart breaks for someone who kind of realizes where they are, and they look back at the choices and the decisions and realize, I've squandered years. There's another one that comes from a very different perspective, but is equally as tragic. He says, I'm a software engineer, and I make a lot of money. Still, I feel this emptiness in my life. I feel I'm stuck in the wrong career. I can do so much more. I could have done much more with the right guidance as a kid. Instead, all I had were hyper-competitive parents who enjoyed showing me off. I'm 27 now. I'm pretty good at what I do. Yet the feeling I could have been so much more, something I wanted to be, never leaves me. And the thing that's tragic, here's a 27-year-old kid in a good career, making good money, but realizing... I'm not living up to my potential. I'm not living what I was created to live. And at 27, is already saying I've blown it. It's too late. And I want to meet that kid and go, dude, you're 27. Okay? You're like a teenager. Get going. (laughs) But that's what happens. There's this sense of we were created for something more and we're missing out on it. And maybe you know someone like that or like Larry. Or maybe you sometimes feel like that. See, What Paul told us in Ephesians 5, if understanding life is found in God's will, then the question is, what is God's will or what is his vision for our life? And some of us, that's a little bit of a scary thought. We kind of right away go, oh, God, I know what God wants for me. And the images pop into your head, you know, pale stone-faced people and uncomfortable pews, ominous music, angry preachers. And you're like, oh, that must be it. You're like, we're here, aren't we? Or maybe it's well-dressed people with a glazed look coming to your door to try to convert you and give you literature. And you think, well, that must be God's deal. Or maybe some are are like, God's trying to find just the perfect vocation to make you miserable. Because then he'll really know. I have to admit, nobody ever told me this, but just in my upbringing, I had a little bit of that. Just a little bit of that thought of, okay, God's going to make me really earn it and by doing something really miserable. And be totally honest, confession, the last thing I want to do is be a pastor. True, truly. And I I knew some nice pastors and stuff, but it, it was just, I didn't. It wasn't something that was attractive to me. I didn't understand. I didn't know 
what it meant to be a pastor. I didn't know myself. But there was this little bit of, well, God's going to want to have me do something really hard to prove that I'm really worth it. Jesus has a very different perspective on all that. Here's what Jesus said in John 10.10. If you have your Bibles, turn over there. I want you to see this. This is a passage we talk about a lot. But I want you to see this because there's some very important applications we're going to draw. Jesus said this in John 10, 10 and 11. Okay, he says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. Thief comes, steal, kill, destroy. I've come they might have life, have it to the full. And then he says this in verse 11. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Three real quick observations. First, Jesus acknowledges there is a thief trying to steal the good things in life. There is a thief. If you've ever had that feeling that, you know, I, can't seem, I just can't seem to get ahead. Something good will happen, but then, you know, it seems like I take a step forward, but then I take two steps back. It seems like whenever something great is there, there's something to steal it away. Or I can never get any traction. And it almost like someone's working against me. Jesus says there is. It's not God. Some of us think it's God trying to, no. That there is an enemy of our souls who is trying to steal, kill, and destroy, to quote Jesus. So that we need to acknowledge. That is real. Second thing he says is he came to give us full, abundant, real life. And that that's what God's will is. That's what he came to do. That word full, he says, I came that they might have life and have it to the full, is the Greek perisos. And it means extraordinary, remarkable, beyond the regular size or number. Abundant. I love that because that word full doesn't do it for us. Have it to the full, we think of a full life. Okay, well that's great. But this is talking about something different, and this is an extraordinary life, a remarkable life, beyond the regular size or number. So this is not normal. You could say an extraordinary life that's so extraordinary, it's not normal. That's what Jesus is saying. It's abundant. And the third observation, and this is the most important part, he is so committed to that objective of abundant life, of perisos life, that he sacrificed his life to make it possible. He sacrificed his life to make that possible. So the question I have for us this morning is, will you commit your life to seeing the same end? <coughs> will you commit yourself and say, in the course of this series, I want us to have some serious conversations about how much are you willing to put on the table so that you can have that full, abundant, real life that God created us for? Jesus, every time I look at a cross, I'm reminded, Jesus gave it all. And he just said the reason he gave his life for the sheep is so that we could have abundant life, full life, extraordinary life, more than the normal size or amount. Are you willing to commit yourself to that? Because that's what we're going to focus on for the next number of weeks. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Here's the main point I want us to grab from today. We're talking about learning to live. Well, learning to live begins by seeing life as a gift and getting to know the giver. Learning to live begins by seeing life as a gift and getting to know the giver. See, this one life of ours, it's a gift. It's an unbelievable gift. In fact, it's a sacred trust. This life God's given us is a sacred trust. What are you going to do with it? Our, our whole theme is, this is a, you have been given one amazing opportunity and gift. What are you going to do with it? How are you going to make the most of it? Will it be a real life? A perisos. This idea of a sacred trust. We have four core values at River City. They are 
restoration, community, compassion, and stewardship. Restoration is all about restoring that relationship with God that sin has lost us. So that's our, one of our primary things. That's our primary mission, restoring people to the real life they have in Christ. Community talks about we do that with one another. We're supposed to be part of a community. We do that in relationships with one another. Very important to us. Compassion is all about it's not just about us. We care about those who aren't here yet. We care about the poor. We want to reach out because that's what God's heart is. But that fourth value is stewardship. And a lot of people sit and go, oh, okay, that means money, right? we, We give money, right? Well, stewardship's about a whole lot more than money. Stewardship is this understanding that there's all of this that we've been given and it is God's, not simply ours, and we are caring for something that has been sacredly entrusted to us. That's the idea behind stewardship. And the most important trust that has been given to us is this one life. And we must look at it as stewards. See, understanding the giver's design and intention is central to making the most out of this life that we've been given. Learning to live begins by seeing life as a gift and then getting to know the giver. Now, there's a very brief but powerful illustration of an extraordinary life in 1 Chronicles chapter 4. I want you to turn over there in your Bibles. 1 Chronicles chapter 4. And what's funny is where this is placed. Okay, and as a pastor, please forgive me for saying this, but it's in a section of the Bible that is actually kind of boring. Okay? You're like, I didn't think a pastor could say that. You go to hell for saying that. No, It's just true because it's the genealogies. You know the genealogies, right? It's when they're telling, and they're important, and these, are, there's, these things have purpose and meaning, but for the average reader, just going through chapters of name after name, if you're doing a daily Bible reading thing, we have a chapter a day, when you're in, in like the early parts of Chronicles, you're, you're kind of trudging through, you're committed, because it's just a bunch of names. First Chronicles 4, the sons of Judah, and then it lists them, Perez, Hezron, Carmi, Hur, Shobal, Riah, the son of Shobal fathered Jahath, and Jahath fathered Ahumi. And Lahad, these were the clans of the Zorothites. And then it goes on and on and on. There's multiple chapters of that. I mean, I'm serious. And then all of a sudden you're reading along, and then 1 Chronicles 4, 9, and 10 comes, and it's a very abrupt change. And we read, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his brothers were the ones that were just listed. And there were more and more and more. So all of a sudden, out of it, we, we read, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers and his mother. Oh, excuse me. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. Jabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my borders, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm so that it might not bring me pain. And listen to this phrase, and God granted what he asked. That's what's so exceptional about this passage. And then it goes back and you start reading all these other people in just these chronicles, just mentioning their names. But for this brief little thing, we read this guy Jabez, and it says he was more honorable. That word honorable is the Hebrew phrase nifal. And it means heavy, weighty, abundant, so much so that it must be honored. It's, it's unusual. It's a weighty, there's a weighty substance to his life. And that that's worthy of honor. Yeah, I find an interesting comparison between that Hebrew phrase, nifal, and the Greek from John 10, perisos, which said extraordinary, more than usual. And this is that idea of weighty, significant, abundant. There's very much a connection. 
See, God honored Jabez and granted his request because what he asked for pleased God and aligned with God's purposes. And what's interesting is he set in this sea of names who, quite frankly, the scripture makes clear they weren't noteworthy. They were important. Everybody's important, but they had done nothing noteworthy, nothing nifal that had to be stopped and honored. They failed to grasp what God was offering, and Jabez didn't. Great pastor of scripture. We actually looked at this at the men's retreat. I spoke on Thursday night and shared this with the men. Second Chronicles 16, 9. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. I love that passage. The eyes of the Lord search throughout the earth to find those whose hearts are completely his so that he can strengthen them, so that he can give them an extraordinary life. Thank you, Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Real Life Radio in this series called One Life, Make Yours Count. But if you'd like to hear this full message and this series, it's available right now when you find the sermons link at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road. You can see all the directions, details, and service times also at reallife.org. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210 490-5262 as Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church and we hope you join us again next time for more Real Life. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy but I came to give you abundant life. Real life. I talk to a lot of people and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better. We call ourselves a church for real life. I'd like to invite you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings, which are an exciting and artistic blend of music, reflection, and practical insights, all designed to explore the life that God meant for us. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Otama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.